Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. through the book of Romans and what we do here at ES First, we take a book of the Bible and go all the way through line upon line, precept upon precept, one scripture right after another, and that way we come up against subjects that uh, we make sure we cover them all instead of skipping over the difficult stuff, right? So we're in Romans today. I want to talk to you about salvation, and uh, the whole Bible speaks about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, as you well know, and in Hebrews, Jesus said, that the volume of the book speaks of me. I don't know if he was speaking just about the law or if he was speaking about the book of Hebrews, but the whole word of God is from Genesis to Revelation covering uh, Jesus Christ. What an awesome thing that is. And so I want to talk to you today about soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. And uh, there are 31,104 verses Capturing the theme of redemption, 31,104 verses in the Scripture. Isn't that great? How many of you think we ought to cover every one of those today? Nobody. Okay, thank you for that. So don't worry about me trying to cover 31,000 verses. I'm just going to cover five. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Uh, (laughs) I sound like some of you want to go fishing or golfing this afternoon. I don't know. Getting out here. So... The main theme of the book of Romans, as you well know, is the plan of salvation. That's what Romans is, a book of soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. It's a wonderful book, 433 scriptures. And wonderful things happen to you when you give your life over to Jesus. This is one of my favorite subjects right here. And uh, things like this, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Thank God for that. But I like this next part where it says, And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, that evil thing that was in us is no longer there. It is gone. It cleansed from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if a man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things have become new. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 24 or verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. I like a little song that we used to sing when we were children. Into my heart, into my heart. You know that? Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Anybody know that song? Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And you need to know this, that God is a trinity. There's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus comes in, you get the whole McCoy. Isn't that great? You get all of that. And that goes for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And the really great news is this. This is the message right here. Jesus in, Satan out. Say it. Jesus in, Satan out. Grace in, sin out. So when Jesus come in, Satan takes a hike. Now, a lot of people don't understand that, and they don't believe it, and they don't live like it. They always want to give Satan credit for everything that goes on in their life. Like, Satan made me do this. Satan did this. Satan got this. But when Jesus come in, Satan splits. 
And when grace comes in, sin is out. That's what the scriptures are talking about when he said, old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. So soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, written throughout 433 verses of the book of Romans, declares boldly that born-again Christians are free from the dominion of Satan, hallelujah, and the sin issue. Brandon preached about this a couple of weeks ago. Before he got wild and got married, ran off to Florida or wherever he went. Uh, I guess Florida's not that way, is it? But uh, he preached this, and he said, listen to this. Likewise, reckon ye also. Likewise, reckon ye also. Or get this into your head. You also, yourselves, are dead indeed to sin. Woo! Marvelous. Boy, let that soak in. I've been thinking about that for the last two weeks. And you are dead to sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't it interesting how the devil likes to pick on you and badger you and and just kind of tell you anti-scripture, says, oh, you're no good, you're full of sin, oh, you're this, you're that, and the other thing, hello. Isn't it interesting Satan is a liar? So reckon yourself, get it in your head that you are dead to sin and that you are alive unto Jesus Christ. And herein lies one of the greatest aspects of the shedding of blood for us at the cross. If you go back and pick up all those songs that we sang today, they all point to this message. Thank you, Allison. She didn't know I was preaching this, but here we go. When you give your life to Jesus, he gives you a brand new life. The old one is gone, Romans 6, 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. About the time you come up against with some unknowing Christian that thinks they know everything there is about the Lord, and they tell you how much Satan is working in you and how much Satan is working against you, all this stuff, tell them, evidently, you don't know the same Lord I know. Evidently, you don't have the same Bible I have because the Bible tells me I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, and that sin has no dominion over me. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all righteousness, unrighteousness. So remember how sin and Satan attacked uh, how sin and Satan acted in the presence of Jesus. Now think about this and work it through the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. Sin and Satan are noted to be devastated when Jesus shows up. Sin and Satan is devastated when Jesus showed up. And all of his cohorts flee when they come into the presence of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, 31, Jesus came to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, Jesus, let us alone. We don't have anything to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth. In Luke chapter 4 and 41, also in Capernaum, verse says this, that devils also came out of many crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God, leave us alone. And you remember in Luke chapter 8, when uh, Jesus went into the, uh, into the, the grave there, at the regions of the, uh, of the Gadarenes, uh, there was a man there possessed of legions of devils, and uh, Jesus told them to, to, to get off and be gone from this man. And the devils came out and said, leave us alone. They split, ran into a herd of swine, ran into the lake, and they were choked. And they drowned, or drowned themselves. So you need to understand that's how Satan, sin, and the power of God all come together and work together for good to them that love the Lord. And so 
it is with Satan would like to show up on your doorstep and trouble your life. We think, well, I'm being plagued. Satan made me do it. Well, here he goes again. Well, you know what? When Satan shows up in your life and he recognizes that Jesus is in you, <laughs> he says to you and he says to the Jesus in you, leave us alone. We don't want anything to do with you. Take a hike. <laughs> Hello. Can you say amen to that? Slap somebody in the face. Tell them I'm set free. <laughs> wow. You'd think we was at a Chiefs game. Satan's have no more dominion over you because Jesus set you free. One songwriter said it this way, once like a bird in prison I dwelt. <laughs> no freedom from my sorrow I felt. Jesus came, listen to me, glory to God, he set me free. Now I'm climbing higher each day. Darkness of night has drifted away. My feet are planted on higher ground. Glory to God, I'm homeward bound. I'm free. Goodbye, sin, things that confound, not of this world going to turn me around. Daily I'm praying, I'm working too, and glory to God, I'm going through. <laughs> he set me free. Yes, he set me free. Now, Satan used to have dominion over you, but thanks to Calvary, things are different than before. The blood of Jesus is what it's all about, cleanses us from all sin. And the blood of Jesus limits Satan when it comes to the believer. And there's a song that was written about our sins and about the enemy that once lived in us. Our sins are gone. And they are covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. And my sins are all covered by the blood. If some idiot that thinks they know everything tell you, well, sin has got you in a corner. The devil's doing the bad news on you. After all, you didn't uh, win the lottery this week. Satan must be against you. Tell him, my sins are all covered by the blood. Satan hath no more dominion over me, buddy. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. My sins are all covered by the blood of my iniquity so vast has been blotted out at last. My sins are all covered by the blood. That which was ugly and dirty and black is now made white, washed as white as snow because of the blood of Jesus. And so because Jesus' people are literally covered by the blood, and what Jesus did through the atonement or in the shedding of blood at the cross for you and me, just the very thought of that gives Satan the creeps. He doesn't want to be around you. Now, he's just a wimpy tempter. He's the father of lies. He's no more than a false accuser of the brethren. That's all he is. And all he has privilege to do is to try to entice you to sin and doubt. He struts around thinking he's a roaring lion, seeking who may devour, he may devour, when in fact he is well aware of the real fact that there is a lion of the tribe of Judah that's in charge of everything here. So, he's still on the loose. He still will be on the loose till he's locked up for the millennial reign of Christ. He's still hanging out there. Toothless, somebody said. 
And at the bottom line resounds with the victorious ceremony of Jesus casting old Slewfoot headlong, tumbling into the lake of fire to burn forever and ever through all eternity. And so we all need to get seriously studying this subject. We need to study and understand clearly that the biblical truth about the whole issue of Satan antagonizing the saint, you need to really understand what the Bible says about it. Sin does to have no more dominion over you. 433 verses in the book of Romans, what we're preaching right now. Satan and the power of sin no longer has dominion. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. And it's just a tip of the iceberg. It's all the way 31,102 verses in the scriptures all deal with this same issue, pointing to redemption and salvation. And so I would like to take you to my text this morning of Romans chapter 6, verse 14 through 19, and I like to take it out of the Message Bible, one of my favorite uh, translations. And, it's, and so let's walk through this, what the Bible really says about sin, Satan, and his ability to have anything to do with you other than tempter. And it says, sin can't tell you how to live. I'll say any more. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You've been set free, washed in the blood. You're living in the freedom of God. The freedom of God means Satan is gone. Now, freedom of God doesn't just mean you get to go to heaven when you die. It means you're free. You're set free from the power of sin and Satan, and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But wait, what the next verse says is a warning. So, since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way that we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. Smart. One place he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to talk a little bit about that. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroys freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance. <laughs> it's your last free act. So, you need to pay attention what you're doing. But offer yourself to the ways of God and freedom never quits. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you've started listening to a new master. You remember when, after all those years, your kid finally started listening to you? And then they get real shaky need to say, I think I'm going to be just like my mother. It's <clears throat> the way God is. We finally started listening to him. One whose commands, get that in verse 18. You started listening to him. One whose commands, say commands. What is the commands? It's simply the word of God. Ones whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. Grace, 
greater than our sins makes Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, 20, and verse eight, chapter 8, the plan of salvation come to life because grace is greater than our sin and grace is the dispensation that we live in and grace is alive and well. But Romans' warnings are clear. Although you are no longer a slave to sin and you're no longer under the dominion of sin and not only does sin and Satan have its limitation, but Paul says dabbling in the wrong stuff can have negative consequences in your life. Jesus has a little bit of a saying for what happens to people when they dabble in the wrong stuff. He calls it lukewarm and indifferent. And he talks a little bit more about that. He said, I'd rather that you were hot or cold than lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And so we also have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to come out from the world and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Say amen to that one. Because even though Jesus came in and Satan took a hike and sin no longer hath dominion over you, 1 John 1.8 says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Speaking of the Christians. And I would like to explain that scripture a little more detailed to you. Because when you get saved, you're very clear on this subject. I don't, I don't do this, that, and the other thing. I don't run with people who do, Right? We know about that. But 1 John 1.8 gives us a bit of a warning, and he says if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Speaking to the Christian, we, if we say we have no sin, but I thought you said sin had no more dominion over me. That's right, he doesn't. I thought you said Satan took a hike. That's right, he did. But I also said he hangs around as a tempter. And so if you really want to dig into this scripture and understand it in its clarity to people who are walking in the light and come out from the world and have been separated and they touch not the unclean thing and Satan had no dominion over you and all this stuff and he took a hike. How come it says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves? Why did it say that? Well, you've got to understand something. What are the limitations of Satan? He's now a wimpy tempter. And he's a liar. And so we have to listen real close to the Holy Spirit. And if I can put this into my vernacular, and I'm not trying to replace the scripture, but I'm trying to give you understanding of it because that's my job. Can I really... Put this in perspective of 31,102 scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. What does that really mean? It means if we say we have no temptation, we deceive ourselves. That's really what it's saying. The truth's not in us. You better beware because temptation is out there. Romans 6, 12 says it this way. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body 
that you should obey it in the lust thereof. It's a topic that arises when we have communion in the house of the Lord. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shew the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, let a man examine himself. About what? Being aware, Satan, like a roaring lion, walks around about toothless because the lion of the king of Judah is really in charge, but there is temptation out there. You better be aware of that. And so the main part of my message this morning is even though sin doth not have dominion over you, dabbling in sin or flirting with evil and being conformed to this world, listen to this, easily besets you. Hebrews 12.1 spells it out this way. Lay aside the weight and the sin which doth easily beset you and run with patience the race that is set before you. So get this, life is a race. And if we're not spiritually careful, life can be overrun with weights and sin that can easily beset us and set us back on any and every issue. Sin hath no dominion over you, but sin that I choose to dabble in will weigh me down and easily beset me. Easily screws up the positive results, any or all of the issues in my life that I should rather be successful in. And so I'm going to give you a tip that I've learned about Christianity and wonderful people of God and people who have great intentions and have chosen to... I'm going to give you a personal tip. The battlefield is usually and probably the battle in the mind. Thinking negative things. Negative things? Yeah, negative things. Well, but we don't think about those negative things. We're not in the world. Uh, oh, yeah, here's the negative things that we think about. Here's the temptation that is the worst temptation that any Christian can deal with. This is it. This is where Satan, the wimpy tempter, tempts you to doubt the word of God. That's it. Sin doth have no dominion over you, but you need to beware that we are tempted to doubt the scriptures. That's why some of you refuse to tithe. Because the Satan has tempted you to doubt the scriptures. That's why some of you go ahead and dabble in things that you have been convicted of already. God has told you some things when you first gave your life to Christ. You laid them aside. I don't do these anymore. I don't do them anymore. I don't do them anymore. I don't do them anymore. And then all of a sudden it comes along, well, everybody's doing it. I guess I'll do it some more. <sighs> okay with this? And so your battle is in the, in the mind that Satan has convinced you to doubt the Scriptures.
I could meddle on that, but I'm not going to because every single person in this building has been dealt with on different issues unless you had some preacher stuffing it down, his ideas down your throat. Or somebody in your family that tells you every time your skirt goes up an inch or lipsticks hit your lips that you're a sinner. You've been duped by hearing what somebody else has to say to you what sin is. And so you don't measure up to their confines of conviction. So it makes you think that you're no good. When the Bible says you've been set free, you've been washed in the blood, you're white as snow, Satan doth have no more dominion over you, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, but some message that you heard way back here is they said, well, if you smoke and run with the kids that do, you're going straight to hell. Well, you may not go to hell, you might smell like it, that's fine, but I'm telling you something, that's some conviction that somebody's put on you. It has nothing to do with your coming and going to hell, but it sure has a lot to do with you going to the hospital in the last days. Hello. <laughs> I lost 70% of you right there. How many packs of cigarettes would that be represented here this morning? I don't know. I don't care if you smoke. I really don't. It's none of my business, you know. Smells good if you got a good pipe. Hello. But what I'm here to tell you, and I used a little fun here, the foolishness of preaching to tell you that you can't live your life by somebody else's convictions. You have to hear the Spirit of God dealing with you on the subjects that need to be dealt with in your life. And when God deals with you and God speaks to you, he'll set you free. And even the sun sets free is free indeed. Don't turn around and walk back in those things because you now got cold and indifferent and lethargetic in your walk. It's between you and him. And every one of you have your own convictions. And if you're trying to live by somebody else's convictions, you're a baby in Christ. But when you start hearing the Holy Spirit say, you know, why don't we just put that aside? And you start saying to the Lord, I'm open. I'm open. Say what you have to say. Lead where you want to lead. I'm open. And the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you, and you start really beginning to live. And you start really becoming who you really are in God. And you start growing and maturing, becoming more like Jesus every day because he's speaking to you. So my tidbit, I'm going to give you some personal advice. The battlefield is usually probably the battle in your mind. Trying to tell you that the word of God is off kilter a little bit. It's old-fashioned, and you just don't really need all of that stuff. That's your battle. Anything that is not of faith Jesus says, is sin. Anything that is not of faith is really antichrist thinking. 
And the problem that we have to contend with every day is that are you studying to show yourself approved unto God? A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. Or are you cruising along and letting Satan tell you that the Bible's okay if it's got dust on it? See what I'm saying? Open mine eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch him. And say that I love him. When you start living like a born-again, set-free, non-dominated by sin, born-again believer, you start feeling the peace of God that passeth all understanding flood into your hearts and minds, and it doesn't make any difference what the trouble is out here. It will not affect you in any way, shape, or form other than just cost you a dollar. Good thing. So, here's a life issue. Here, it, remember what I told you, the battle's in the mind? Here's a life issue that you need to lay aside this sin. This is a weight that doth easily beset you. Maybe your attitude and your outlook on life needs an adjustment because you are daily demonstrating discombobulated reaction to life in general. You're just an old grump. You've let newscasters, situations, the neighbor's dog barking at night make you into a sad sack. That is a weight that does so easily beset you. It's in the head. Ticked to the uttermost. Pity party. Everyone in your life around you sees it clearly, but you are blind as a bat when it comes to self-evaluation. Hey, somebody shout. You may well need to lay aside this sin of discombobulation. It's a weight. It's besetting you. It's robbing you of your joy, which is the race that's set before you, being a light, being salt. That's your race. Being a father that kids want to be around, being a husband that wives want to touch. Being a wife that men are happy to come home to. Discombobulated living is a weight that besets you from what you can be and accomplish in Jesus Christ in every area. It will, may not be the sins of the flesh, blatant, ungodly living that you're dealing with, but the temptation to let your mind get sour is where you've got to deal with it. I could well be just a simple weight of living below your capability level of rejoicing and letting your light shine versus worrying and complaining and simply doubting rather than believing and trusting. That's a weight. Satan has no dominion over you, but he can sure tempt you to live like that up here. It's a noema. It's a far dart of the wicked, the Bible says. Here's one of the main issues in the race set before you. Joyfully and exuberantly providing for your own family. I love my job. 
Money, food, shelter, protection, that's one part of the race. I am a satisfied child of God. Do you hate the job that God gave you? Are you provoked over wages? I don't make enough. The cost of living, eggs are too high. Increased taxes keeps going up. Inflation, I don't know what I'm going to do. Hating your job and not being able to identify it as your mission field, which it is. Provocation is a weight that blurs your focus. Your spiritual eyes that you once had now are blurred because to the point of absolute blindness when Jesus clearly declared, render under season what is Caesar's. And under his breath, I think he said, quit your belly aching. It's turning you into a Scrooge rather than salt and light. <laughs> I love picking on people. If we say we have no sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. I have no sin. Yeah, your head is so screwed up because you've let Satan lead you into everything when Jesus said, I give you peace that passeth all understanding, you're ahead and not the tail, you're above and not beneath, you're blessed and you're coming and you're going out. All your enemies that come against you, one way of flee away from your Sabbath, and you don't believe that. That's a sin that besets you. How about your purpose in life? Do you know what it is? Are you fulfilling it and being fulfilled, or are you just existing as opposed to excelling? Is your motto, come quickly, Lord Jesus? Nothing I hate worse than somebody telling me, I just wish Jesus would come back and get me out of here. I'd rather be like Jesus, that I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come repentance. That's why I'm not coming back and rapturing the church yet, because I'm not willing that any should perish. There's more people out there that need Jesus. Let's get her done. That's the way I want to think. <laughs> Dabbling in lethargy and complacency, Getting lazy and unmotivated in your God-appointed purpose in life equals weights and sins that easily beset you, causes your head to be screwed on backwards. Are you running with patience the race that's set before you and totally adhering to the formula of the successful walk of Christ, which is don't dabble. Don't let your mind go off anti-Scripture. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says it this way. Hurry up and get out of here. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Don't give up on life and don't give in. Don't give Satan the cast out one, a foothold back into your life of freedom. David had to wake up a few times in Scripture. When he did, he fell to his knees and repented and boldly begged God Psalms 51. I want to read this in closing to you. And this is coming out of the Message Bible as well. <sighs> Genesis in love, give, God give grace, huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. So when it comes to all this anti-Scripture thinking, when it comes to take it or leave it, pick and choose what you want to get out of the Scriptures and leave the rest for some preacher, you know, that's negative thinking, wait and sin. Put God first. Put God first. 
God says, I shall have no other gods before me. What does that mean? That means when you don't obey Scripture and you just let it go like it doesn't make any difference, you put your ways over God's ways. God's not your leader. You're your own leader. Well, we need to be set free from that kind of thinking. I want God to set me free from it. I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't want to think I'm the cat's meow and I've, I've got it all together and I don't need any more. I want to grow in grace every day and I want to get my negative thought patterns of what God can't do and what he should do and what he should have done and why didn't he heal me there and why didn't he touch that and how's come this one did that. When I get all that thinking out and trust in the Lord with all my soul, lean not on my own understanding and all my ways acknowledge him, he'll direct my path. Well, all that negative stuff, I want him to scrub it away from me. Scrub it out. Soak out that sin in your laundry, Lord. I know how bad I've been. My sins are starring me down. You're the one I've violated, and you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever, whenever, whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long, long time. Back to the Word of God. In the wrong sense, before I was born, what you're after, God, is truth from the inside out. Enter me, then. Conceive a new, true life. Soak me in your laundry, and I'll come out clean. Scrub me, and I'll have a snow-white life. Tune me in to foot-tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Yeah, that happened with Bathsheba issue. I get that. But doubting the word of God and walking anti-Christ and ignoring his words like they're crumbs on the floor to be swept up and put in a wastebasket is worse than David's affair with Bathsheba. And I don't want that. Scrub me. Let's bow our heads. Lord, truly, you are fair, and you are righteous, and you are just. And you are rewarding, Heavenly Father, that give grace and fullness to your children. Let us walk in your ways. Let us resist the temptation to ignore the Scriptures. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. In Jesus' name, amen.